Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. How do we reopen this economy? The latest on how this pandemic is impacting farmers. What does this do for the United States' relationship with China? Bloomberg Sound Off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. We're responding to this crisis and manufacturers are stepping up like never before. We're looking at 70 candidates for different vaccines. How do we make sure a pandemic of this scale never happens again? This is Bloomberg Sound Off with Kevin. Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Busy day for Bloomberg Sound On. We were in Annapolis and we got an exclusive interview with Governor Larry Hogan, the Republican governor. He's going to tell us all about how they plan to reopen schools and how to reopen the economy. All of that plus what he wants President Trump and Speaker Pelosi to both know. Lots to get through, all of that, plus some geopolitical tensions with the U.S. and China with an all-star panel. Joel Rubin of the Obama State Department joins us. We're going to talk U.S.-China relations coming up later on in the hour. Did you see this on the Bloomberg Terminal? The Trump administration rejected China's expansive claims in the South China Sea, escalating tensions with Beijing on yet another front. The move reverses a previous policy of not taking sides in territorial disputes in the region. All right, I'm going to get Joel Rubin to raise to, to weigh in on that. But we begin tonight with my exclusive interview with Governor Larry Hogan. Hogan, of course, is the Republican governor of Maryland who has been all over the news. This is he, of course, is the leader of the Governor's Association for the entire country. But I began the interview with a question on the minds of millions of American families. Will students be able to return to the classroom come September? Take a listen. I want to ask you about a pressing matter of the day, and that's whether or not families are going to be able to send their students back to the classroom come September. Boy, we sure hope so, but we're, um, you know, we want to get, everybody wants to get kids back to school because it's so important that they, you know, we get them back learning again, but we've got to do it in a safe way. And so we're working uh, very carefully with our state superintendent of schools and our local school boards and getting lots of input from our public health uh, doctors and our, uh, our scientists along with our teachers and parents and just uh, we're going to come up with a plan that's probably going to be some kind of a hybrid that makes sure that we get our kids uh, educated and back to school but in a very safe way. How do you make sure that the private schools don't have an advantage versus the public schools and all of the different types of towns and communities that might have different coronavirus rates? How do you make sure it's fair for every student? Well, we want to make sure that all our kids are safe, uh, regardless of uh, whether they're going to a private school or whether they're going to a public school and regardless of which community they're in. 
we're giving some flexibility to local jurisdictions who may be in different uh, positions the, from one, one jurisdiction to another. Uh, but overall, our state, knock on wood, so far is doing much better than most other places around the country. We've got declining rates, declining positivity rate, declining hospitalization, declining deaths, declining ICU beds. So uh, we're, we're keeping a close eye on it, and we're, we're by no means out of the woods on this thing. Uh, but we're, uh, we're going to be very careful to make sure we do it right. And our kids, I know parents are anxious to get their kids back in school. They're also really concerned about their health. And what about teachers? Because teachers are also, they have a different set of concerns. Teachers are, have, have a right to be very concerned. That's why we're working so closely with the teachers. We're working together with our local school boards to get their input. We've got to keep them safe. We've got to make sure that we go about this in a very careful way. What do you need from the federal government? Because in Washington, D.C., we're staring down another battle of another round of economic stimulus. What do you need to see coming from Washington? Well, so, uh, you know, as the chairman of the National Governors Association, we've been fighting and pushing since March to try to get some assistance from the federal government. We were uh, we fought to try to get uh, help to the state and local governments in the third stimulus package. Next week, when uh, when Congress comes back from their, from their Fourth of July recess, we're hoping uh, we've been pushing very hard to make sure that the state and local governments are included in that stimulus package because it's critically important. We've already lost 1.5 million state and local government workers just wow. in the past 60 days. It's anticipated we could lose as many as four million more. So we're talking about you know, frontline healthcare workers and teachers and police and firefighters, you know, people that we're out there providing more services under very difficult circumstances. And, and we're as impacted at the state and local government level as, as our businesses, uh, because of the revenues are down dramatically. Uh, across, the, across the country, we're expecting uh, a de decrease in revenues to state governments of up to 30%. 1.5 million jobs already lost, and you just said 4 million jobs potentially could be lost, and that's for, for government workers. Alone. Yeah, state and local government workers. And uh, so we're working very hard. We've been pushing the administration, working with uh, leaders in Congress on both sides of the aisle in the House and the Senate. And we're hopeful uh, that sometime by the end of July, we're gonna, get, we're gonna have some success and get some help because states are making very uh, difficult budget decisions and uh, putting together their budgets and looking at dramatic uh, you know, reductions in staff. And in many ways, you know, a government job was seen as a safe job. So when, you, when you're talking to President Trump, when you're talking to Speaker Pelosi, what do you specifically want them to know? I want them to know that not only as we're trying to have this economic recovery, uh, the, the worst thing we could possibly do is to put more people on the unemployment lines and to those folks that are actually trying to help the other people that are in need. Um, so we need more money and not less money for local governments and, uh, and, and the federal government is, the, is, this is one thing that the states cannot do without the federal government. Governor, in, your, in the excerpts for your book, Still Standing, which comes out in just a, a few short weeks, you, you outline yourself as, as sort of a pragmatic conservative. And you know this as we're staring down this debate with Republicans who I've interviewed in the past several weeks are very concerned about more bailouts, more government money, more types of government assistance sure. in order to prevent uh, some layoffs. And they're saying, we can't afford to take on this debt. What do you say to your, the Republicans in the would, party feel that way? I would say we're in a very unique situation where we can't afford not to. So I'm a lifelong Republican, I'm a conservative, I'm a lifelong small business owner who's never held elective office before I ran for governor. I ran for governor uh, with my sole mission was to turn around our state economy. Uh, we had killed businesses and jobs. We, uh, we were 49th out of 50 states in overall economic performance. I came in and immediately I cut taxes six years in a row. 
Um, we had more job growth, more businesses open than ever before in the history of our state. state. Uh, we had the best economic turnaround in America. So I'm a, I'm a governor who normally would be on the same side of those folks saying, hey, we don't need more government spending, we don't need more debt. Uh, in this particular case, though, we've got the worst ec economy uh, since really the Great Depression. It's worse than the Great Recession. Uh, and we need that stimulus to help keep the people in our state employed and to keep our economy from tanking even further. Now, we're doing even better in this uh, economic collapse. Uh, we have about a 9% unemployment, which is terrible. It's three times what it was before COVID. But there are states, uh, many other states across the country that are 25, 23, 21%. We're doing much better than the country. We're doing much better than most of the other states in the country. But it's a really bad situation. A really bad situation. That was part one of my interview with Governor Larry Hogan, the Republican from Maryland. I was down in Annapolis. Beautiful morning. Beautiful at the governor's mansion. The, the beautiful outside, socially distanced, of course, interview uh, at the governor's mansion. And coming up, we're going to ask him about mail-in voting. Did you hear about what they were saying about him in the post, about mail-in voting on the editorial board? And we'll also ask him about reopening the economy as well remember folks you can download the bloomberg sound on podcast on apple itunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the bloomberg business app you can also find me on radio.com iHeartRadio, and spotify adam goodman's going to join us joel rubin i'm kevin cerilli chief washington correspondent for bloomberg tv and radio and you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 this is bloomberg sound on with kevin cerilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. President Trump plays down the Fauci rips. He now says they have a good relationship. Our buddy Justin Sink, Bloomberg White House reporter, reports President Trump on Monday said he has a good relationship with Dr. Anthony Fauci. He said to reporters, I, I get along with him very well, Trump told reporters during an event at the White House. I like him personally. All right, so he's downplaying downplaying the rift and meanwhile uh we should note this as well uh that again from the bloomberg terminal u.s cases have rise u.s cases rise two percent and california is shutting down indoor dining california closed indoor dining and bars and its two biggest school districts said they would offer remote learning only despite calls by the trump administration for classrooms to fully reopen i mean it's interesting you just heard it from governor hogan People, states all over the country, they don't know what they're going to do. They got to rely on the data. They got to rely on people like Fauci, De Dr. Deborah Burks, who we had on the program last week. You know, all of these people are going to have to sort this thing out. Speaking of uh, Governor Hogan, before we get to our second part of the interview, I was preparing last night. Here's some behind the scenes sound on action. I was eating a Smith Island piece of cake last night. Smith Island cakes, you ever had them? The best cakes of your life, I'm telling you. And so here I am, you know, reading over everything. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what the Gov thinks of Smith Island Cakes. So, you know, we're talking before the interview. And I say, Gov, what's your favorite Smith Island Cakes? And he says, I'm trying to stay away from the cakes. I said, sorry, Gov, sorry. So then I asked him, what is the best place to get some crabs in Annapolis? And he likes Mike's. So I, I got to try Mike's. I've never tried the Mike's Crabs Shack place. Uh, but next time I'm down there, provided they don't shut everything down, I will... Uh, I'll try some Mike's Crab. My dad's a big fan of crabs. All right, let's roll the tape. We talk about the economy and mail-in voting. Here's Governor Hogan. So how do you, Governor, make, get ready for the economic comeback? Or what needs to be done to make sure that there is that economic comeback 
uh, not just in Maryland, but across the country. So we have been uh, we're focused on these dual crises at the same time. How do we keep people safe and how do we can, can, can grow our economy and keep people working, keep businesses afloat? And it's very difficult. We um, kept more businesses open than a lot of people did. We kept all of our essential businesses open the whole time, but we tried to go about it in a very safe way. We, uh, we lifted our st uh, stay-at-home order back in April. Uh, so it's been quite a while that we've been open. About 95% of all of our, our businesses are able to operate, but they're doing it in a safe way with masking and distancing and um, lots of safety precautions. And our numbers on the health side have been very, very good, some of the best in the country. Uh, but our economy, is, and it's, our economy is much better now than it was in June and better than it was in May, better than it was in April, but it's still very slow, gradual growth because until people feel safe and feel confident, until there's a vaccine, until people feel like it's okay uh, to go to a restaurant or, or go out in public, the economy is not gonna rebound quickly. So it's gonna take some time. I wanna go broad and then I wanna, I wanna ask you about mail-in voting because in your book, Still Standing, you talk about being a paper delivery boy. <laughs> Literally, you were, you, were in the, you were in the news business, Gov. I, I started in journalism, uh, 10 years old, <laughs> delivering and, the paper. And you talk about how at, at, that, at that time, I mean, your, your father was, uh, prior to, to being in Congress, was, was worked for the federal government. So when you're talking about people losing their jobs who work for the government, this is something that, that, that you know a thing or two about. What needs to be structurally changed in this country to make sure that everyone across the board, regardless of where they live, whether it's in inner city Baltimore or out in rural Maryland, that they can have the same opportunity because a lot of people feel like this is just not a fair system that we live in. Well, I talk about in my book some of the ways that we grew our economy here in Maryland over the past six years. And so I, I came in, my first two years were under President Obama. The, the, the next uh, three and a half years were under President Trump. But from the day we took over, we changed the direction of our state to say Maryland is open for business. We grew jobs in every part of our state. Uh, unemployment was cut in half in everywhere, including Baltimore City and including some of our most difficult places. We've in, uh, put more investment and more time into job training and workforce development, uh, more investment into uh, enterprise zones and investing money into our, our challenged uh, communities and redeveloping some of our older communities. And we have, we were making tremendous success and then we're hit with this, uh, this economic a catastrophe that's the worst in our lifetime and now we've got to figure out a way uh, to continue to make success and come back out of this uh, because America will come out of it uh, stronger than ever but it's going to take some time and a lot of people are suffering in the meantime. All right we're just a couple of months away from a presidential election and elections across the country. There's a debate happening right now about mail-in voting and whether or not that should be the dominant way that people vote come November 3rd. What are you doing in Maryland and what's your position on what the right course of action should be? You know, I think we, what we're doing here in Maryland is an all of the above uh, voting system where you can vote by mail, you can vote early with early voting, or you can vote on election day. We attempted to do an, uh, a, a, a mail-in only uh, situation in the primary elections and there were some real difficulties with our independent state board of elections that couldn't administer it properly and we had only a handful of precincts open that were overloaded and overcrowded which was a tough situation so this time we just decided to go forward with let's encourage everybody who can to vote by mail um, if those who can't or, or or don't want to can go to an early voting uh, center uh, distance safe 
uh, with all the PPE that they need, and some people can still go and vote on Election Day. So if we spread it out over all three of those things, hopefully we'll give every single person a chance to vote, uh, make sure we get maximum participation, and we'll do it in a safe way. If people want to vote by mail, do they have the right to do so? Do they have to request a ballot? We're going to send out an absentee ballot request to every single registered voter in the state. A request? Yep. Okay, so you mentioned that there were some challenges. There's this debate that's been happening right now. I'm, I'm curious, is it, is it your position that we're just too close to the election day to try to change this dramatically for the entire country? And, and are other governors saying that? And if, is, should this have been a conversation that was had two or three years ago, as opposed to just a couple of months before November 3rd? Well, you know, we're in this crisis, so uh, it's a little bit, uh, you know, we're trying to address the problems of keeping people safe while also encouraging people to vote. And so it's hard to figure it out. And each state is going about it a little bit differently. And I know there's a big argument about whether you should be able to vote by mail or not. We've been doing that for 20 years in our state and it works very well. We're just trying to make it easier and encourage more people to do that. But there are certain percentages of the people that, um, if, uh, that, that still, as we showed in our primary, still wanna show up and vote. We're gonna make sure that they can do so in a safe way. But it's very difficult. So in less than 110 days uh, till the election and to, to change all of the precincts across the country. It, it, it's, a, it's an interesting debate, but it's also a challenging uh, logistical problem. That was Governor Larry Hogan speaking about mail-in voting. And remember, folks, he likes Mike's crabs. Have you been to Mike's? Let me know, because my dad, for his 70th birthday, wants a bushel of crabs. That's all he really wants. He started 70. I'm like, Dad, what do you want? What do you want for the big birthday? He goes, crabs. More next. I'm Kevin Cerilli. This is Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. My dad turns 70 next weekend. What should I get him? I need gift ideas. Joel Rubin's on the line, Democratic strategist, former Deputy Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs at the State Department during the Obama years, and my good friend Adam Goodman. Republican media strategist, columnist, and partner at Ballard Partners in Washington. All right, Joel, before I ask you about China, I got to ask Adam, what should I get my dad for his 70th birthday? He doesn't fish. He grow, well, he loves to fish, but he doesn't, we, we don't, free, we go like every now and then. But he, he doesn't <laughs> like golfing. He says, Cerilles don't golf. I said, all right, all right, all right. So. <laughs> it really dug off. I love that. That's an easy one. Uh, that's an easy one, Kevin. The answer to the question is a cure for COVID-19. 
Okay. That's the best gift you can get. Well, listen. Hey, hey, Goodman. Oh, we are a serious bunch. Goodman, Goodman. <laughs> I should have gone to med school, but I went to journalism school, and I don't think my journalism degree is getting us a cure. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Joel. I, I, tell, I, I tell you, man, have, have him make a suggestion about the new, new Washington football team name and then oh. broadcast that everywhere. Actually, okay, I don't – okay. All right, we've got two weeks for this, but maybe I could – I'm going to – all right, you guys are giving me some ideas, and I could hear the Bloomberg Radio executives being very scared with what's about to come out of my mouth right next. So let's get back to China. Joel, Christine Barada's like, what is, where is he going with this, Kev? Joel, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me ask you this. What's going on with China, uh, especially given the dynamics in the South China Sea? Bring us up to speed here. What's going on with China is that they're having a, a real run on the United States right now. We have so self-isolated and cut off ties with every possible ally to help us in, in confronting and dealing with China that uh, they're really getting the run of Asia. North Korea has turned its back on us on the nuclear talks. Um, we've, we've exited from the World Health Organization in the midst of a pandemic. We have no more trade negotiations with China. That's collapsed. Peter Navarro is saying it was a uh, a bio-weapons uh, attack, basically, the coronavirus, which is insane. So um, not a lot of good going on with China right now, and, and that's bad for America. It's bad for the world. All right, but, I mean, let me, let me follow up on this, Joel, because what would, what would a Biden administration do differently, especially, you know, when you have these escalating tensions? I speak to a lot of folks on the left who are saying that uh, Xi Jinping has a lot of explaining to do, not just to the United States, but also to the global sure. community, and that I speak to just as many Democrats as I do Republicans who are concerned from a 5G perspective that China could make inroads as it relates to Huawei and whatnot, not just uh, in Europe, as we've talked about, but also in Latin America. So what would a, how would a Biden administration address those problems? Well, I think that the core problem we have is that with the Trump administration, it's promise everything, deliver nothing, and blame somebody else. That, that's the tone. So uh, President Trump has basically taken an approach with China where behind the scenes he's getting deals for himself or his family or, or some other kinds of, of, uh, of uh, gifts and, and talking a tough game but doing nothing. And now his strategy is to ensure that China— I know, I know, but you're telling hand. me what Trump's doing wrong, and you already said that. And so I'm, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, not, so what would Biden do? Well, yeah, you're right. What would you're Biden right. do? That, that's uh, yeah, what would Biden There's do differently? There's so much wrong. Uh, Biden, what Biden first and foremost would do is he would get us back and engage. Uh, on day one, he's already said he'd get back in the Paris Climate Accord. He'd start showing the world that we're actually here to lead and we're actually ready to build alliances and deal with China aggressively and correctly. Right now, China uh, doesn't feel the pressure, and that's because there is no coordinated response. So that would be A. B is in terms of working on a trade deal, uh, we, we, have to, we have to make sure that we're taking care of our workers here at home, and we have to make sure that we're investing here at home. And make sure that China knows that we're not going to run to the table on a trade deal for, uh, with them, but not bring anything to it. So th there's a lot of alliance repair. That's the primary thing. But uh, as I'm sure you've seen, uh, it's all going to have to happen simultaneously. It's not yeah. going to be sequential. It's yeah. a, it's a, there's a lot of repairing that we have to do. All right. So Adam Goodman, Republican strategist, I want to talk about your column in The Hill coming up. But first, I, wa I want to pick up on a point that Joel Rubin just said at point B, what he said, because last week on the program, I interviewed Penny Pritzker, who is uh, the uh, Commerce Secretary in the Obama administration, about Joe Biden's economic 
plan. And, and, and quite frankly, when I talk to my sources on the vice president's presidential campaign, they're, they're, they're putting this out there as a moderate plan. And they're, you know, Penny Pritzker is involved in, in terms of crafting the workforce development and whatnot. But from your perspective, how, do you, how, do, how does President Trump get up on stage and respond to that attack come the debates? How does he say, you know what, the unpredictability in my administration has actually allowed us to contain China? Can he say that, and how does he draw that contrast? Well, I, I listened very closely to what Joel was saying, and I, I respect him greatly. Uh, but he knows what he's talking, what he's saying makes no sense. I mean, Joe Biden doesn't have a plan for China. And, and just to be fair about it, no other president uh, in our lifetime, uh, in my lifetime, I'll say, going back to JFK, had a real plan for China. No one st stood up and called China for what they're doing and have been doing, not for a year or four years or eight years, but for decades. Uh, he's the first American president to call them, to call them on currency manipulation, to call them an unfair trade, to say we're not going to put up with this anymore. And if it, if it, if need be, we're going to go to, you know, to economic war if necessary to dial back what is not only taking American jobs, but is taking uh, the lunch bucket away from people all across the world. And if you think that just politicizing and politicking China is going to be an answer uh, to what is uh, coming at us, because I think the long-term threat to America is not COVID-19. It's the Republic of China. It is coming from a half a world away, and it's going at the entire world with a message that we want to be in control. So uh, I would love to have the debate about China with uh see the debate, rather, between uh, Joe Biden and the president on that. But to your first question, uh, Kevin, which is uh, the president himself, uh, I wrote this column really to try to, to point out the obvious. COVID-19 is the issue. Attack that, you can take on everything else, including China. You avoid that, nothing else matters, which is why he said I need, we need him to be more general patent, less political counterpuncher. Uh, go back to the daily briefings. I know you got criticism uh, from some quarters. It went on too long. It was got, got too contentious. Go back. People need you to go back to putting Americans back on the front lines. Treat your nurses as your lieutenants, your doctors as your majors, your public health pros as your colonels. Give the nation a daily diet of reports. Talk about the advances and the challenges. Don't sugarcoat things. Be more hopeful and less into hype, and I think you can regain the, the high ground on the only issue that matters. And frankly, and I'll leave it at this, frankly, we're hearing nothing from Joe Biden other than I'm not Donald Trump. We need more of, of something other than I'm not him. And by the way, I'm going to continue to hide out here in Delaware as long as I possibly can and hope that I don't have to actually show my stripes. Adam I, I think that's what the current... Go ahead. Yeah, Adam Gibbons on the line. He's a Republican strategist and a media strategist. Uh, he's joining us as well as Joel Rubin, who is a Democratic strategist and, and previously worked in the uh, Obama State Department as the deputy uh, for legislative affairs. Joel, I, I want to get to response to this and, and forgetting about foreign policy for a second. We've sure. got and we've got like 60 seconds, but until the, until the next segment. But in, in terms of. President Trump right now is running against the coronavirus and, and the Biden campaign has said, hey, you know what? Go run against the coronavirus. Is that the strategy to have him run against the coronavirus or, or and not against Joe Biden? Do you get what I'm getting at? I mean, from a strategic standpoint. Well, it's pretty clear that President Trump has been an abject failure handling the coronavirus. 
that he is incapable of protecting Americans' health and that he is overseeing the collapse of the American economy as a result. So what Adam pointed out is right. We need someone who can lead, and President Trump has failed. And I think that for Vice President Biden, he has a track record of dealing with crises effectively, be it the Ebola crisis or the 2008-2009 financial collapse, where he led the charge to rebuild. And President Trump has not demonstrated any capacity to do that, and I think that's really where the difference is. And Vice President Biden's contrast is very advantageous to him right. on this. All right, both of you guys stay put because we have more to talk about. I'm Kevin Cerilli. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We've talk, we talked a lot. We talked geopolitics, China, domestic, 2020, and what to get my dad for his birthday. Keep it right here on Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Get this. Just cross this hour. You ready? Senators Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio are banned from China. The Communist Party in China, they put out a statement and they said, nope, we don't want them. They don't like the comments that have been coming out of those two senators' mouths. Something tells me that Senator Cruz and Senator Rubio aren't really going to care. But, you know, we'll see. We'll bring you the latest on that as it develops. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. I've got two all-stars. We got a we got two great all-stars. Joel Rubin, Democratic strategist and former Deputy Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs at the State Department during the Obama administration. And Adam Goodman, Republican media strategist, columnist and partner at Ballard Partners in Washington, D.C. Adam, I want to ask you, did you hear about the Redskins? So this is a local story. This is a local story for us. I want to pull up. I want to pull up the statement. Here it is. Okay, here it is. On July 3rd, this is a, a statement from the Washington Redskins. On July 3rd, we announced the commencement of a thorough review of the team's name. That review has begun in earnest. As part of this process, we want to keep our sponsors, fans, and community apprised of our thinking as we go forward. Today, we are announcing we will be retiring the Redskins' name and logo upon completion of this review. Dan Snyder and Coach Rivera are working closely to develop a new name and design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud tradition, rich franchise, and inspire our sponsors, fans, and community for the next 100 years. Okay, Adam Goodman, here's the first thing that I say. And you know this. You advise sports teams. You're an insider. You know, you know. But correct me if I'm wrong. There's, there's a phrase that is uttered twice in this statement: sponsors, fans, and community. Sponsors, fans, and community. And I'm sure whoever wrote this wasn't thinking clearly. But they put sponsors first. Shouldn't they be thinking of the community first? And maybe if they were thinking of the community first, they wouldn't have gotten themselves into this mess to begin with. All right, I'm, I'm, this really soapbox is done. Go ahead. I gotta stop laughing first. That was beautiful. Of course. I mean, um, you know, it, but you know, sports teams. You talk about what we hope for in terms of getting back to some degree of normalcy. And right now, of course, a lot of the attention is on whether or not. Uh, uh, schools are going to be able to reopen successfully in the fall. We, I think we really want sports to come back and be somewhat normal again. And 
in terms of the Washington Redskins, uh, first of all, I want to applaud uh, not the way they wrote that press release, but I want to applaud what they're, they're really doing. It's a mature way of responding to a, a, an appropriate community demand uh, that they now, in earnest, change the name. But instead of being stampeded into naming that new name tomorrow, they're going to do it through a deliberative process and get it right. Of course, if the president had his way, he'd probably just call them the Washington winners. But the problem with that is they don't win a lot of games right now, and that Terrible. may be discarded very quickly. Um, but I like the way they're going at it. And, and, a, and what we're now all referring to, right, is the cancel culture. This isn't a responsible way of responding, of responding to a reasonable request from the community. And you're right. It should be about community first. And I think that should be – hopefully they will do this in a way that will become a role model moving forward for others – like the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the Florida State University Seminoles. There are other issues uh, for other groups and brands out there that hopefully will learn good things from the way the Washington uh, football team will address this. And anyone who listens to this show knows that I am that I am obsessed with, with the politics of pop culture, right? And, and right now I think our sports leagues in particular have really been – it's been fascinating to, to watch in real time – how they've handled things like Hong Kong or haven't handled things like Hong Kong and how they've, you know, been, and how the NFL has been dealing with uh, the Trump administration. But let me follow up on this with you, uh, Adam Goodman, before we come to Joel. Oh, I must answer. Oh, go ahead. Well, <laughs> well, wait, well, wait, well, well, let's stick, let's stick with the Redskins because then I have a question for Adam about the NBA and the Hong Kong. So actually let's stick with the Redskins. Go ahead, Joel, go ahead. Hey, as a, a true black and gold Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I must say <laughs> um, I, I'm proud of my hometown franchise and the Rooney rule and dealing with issues of racial justice and social equity. And uh, I, I think for Mr. Snyder, uh, he said sponsors first because that's essentially the only thing that motivated him to want to change the name, which is FedEx uh, and, and Fred Smith telling him it's time to do it. So. Uh, it's unfortunate for for him because he's not going to get much credit uh, for being dragged to, to changing this name. But I, I do agree wholeheartedly with Adam uh, and, and probably with you too, Kevin, that we need our sports. We really do. And, and um, hearing that, uh, uh, you know, players and athletes are getting COVID now in the bubble, Russell Westbrook, it, it's really demoralizing. We need we need uh, we need those teams out there. Yeah. It, it, OK, so now before I do what's on your radar, I do want to ask about the NBA to Adam. Goodman, because they've really it's it's been fast. It's so you've got the players saying that they that they um, that they're going to have Black Lives Matter and and support for Black Lives Matter. My question is, how has how do you think, from your perspective, the leadership of the NBA has dealt with China, specifically their response to Hong Kong? And the China at one point canceling access for there to be NBA games in China. Does the leadership of the NBA need to take a more direct approach or do they think that they are not going to face domestic pressure from their consumers, i.e. the fans? Uh, great question. And the answer is the latter. I think they feel they're somewhat off the hook. The NBA, uh, argue, arguably, is the best run major league sport uh, in America today. They just do a great job of marketing, promotion, uh, recruitment, uh, generating fan interest, uh, using social media impactfully. They did not do so well uh, with the Hong Kong question, and they think they feel they're somewhat off the hook 
because they're now forwarding to the here and now, hopefully, of uh, the remainder of the season to be played out. But I don't think it was uh, maybe the best moment uh, for the NBA. And in terms of Black Lives Matter, I'm a soccer fan. And by the way, I have to say, Joel, I'm so sorry, but I am a rabid, (laughs) rabid Ravens fan. So we're going to have real issues, you and I. You know, there was something off. Guys, there was something off. There was something off with the energy of this show, and I just figured it out. We've got a Ravens fan, a Steelers fan, and a Philadelphia Eagles fan talking about the Washington Redskins. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. Very quickly, Joel, what's on your radar? Tell me something I don't know. What's on your radar? Well, I'm going to tell you something. It it makes me very sad, but uh, it's the the return of anti-Semitism, and it's just cropping up everywhere, and it's cropping up. Uh, we see it on the left. We see it on the right. I, 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 uh, I, I just I see it uh, in our domestic politics. Clearly overseas, uh, the the fights are getting nasty. There was over the weekend the hashtag Jewish privilege being pushed by neo Nazis, and um, it's something that we need to get out of our politics. But it seems to be invading it, and I think it's going to take a lot of work across all political boundaries to to rein this in. But, uh, but it, it, it's pretty significant that's right now an in important, That's an important one. And, and, and there's policies that we could un- unpackage, and we cover them here, especially about how big tech companies uh, should, have a, should you know, be at the table in terms of discussing some solutions. All right, we've got a minute left. Facebook and others, they, they are really on point on this. They've got, they got to rein this in. All right, we gotta, Adam, we've got a minute left. What's on your radar? Uh, well, first of all, I want to applaud Joel for what he said. He's absolutely right. The rise of anti-Semitism has got to be has got to be addressed and stopped. My, on my radar screen is next week's numbers, frankly, out of California and Florida. We okay. saw that California is starting to, to, to uh, go back on the full reopening. Florida has seen record spikes. Uh, what we need in this country right now is we need hope. Uh, we need something to hold on to, and I'm hoping that the COVID uh, curve will start to flatten and we have something to cheer as opposed to something to fear. You know what? I, that's, a, that's a great note to end it on. Joel Rubin, Adam Goodman, thank you. But I'm going to add to that. We need hope, we need heart, and we need hustle. My dad would always tell me, hustle. And that's what we need in order to have not just an economic comeback, but a comeback of all sorts. I'm Kevin Cerilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.